Well, again, welcome. I'm so glad that you are with you, that you are with you, that I am with you, that you are with me. My name is Justin Peach. I am a student minister here. I work with the 6th through 12th graders and their parents um, in that. Hey, before we get started, we're going to do communion at the end of my sermon. It's going to hopefully flow well where it goes into communion. So what we're going to do right now, if you did not get your communion elements, uh, our praise team will be passing out. Just raise your hand. We'll take a few minutes. We'll pass it out. Raise your hand. Love to get you guys some communion uh, elements uh, there, some rip and sips. Pass out there. Um, also, also, we have many ways to give here at our church. You can do it outside uh, on those tables. You can um, um, you put your check, put your money in there. You can also go online uh, at homochurch.org. I believe it's backslash give. You can give there. There's multiple ways uh, to give. We try to uh, be smart with your offerings um, and just place them at the feet of the throne and say, God, this is what you gave us. This is what we're giving you. Um, and so we're thankful for our shepherds um, and our admin team and people that uh, spend a lot of good time praying over that right there. All right. I think almost all of the hands are, are up and have that. Well, I've been out the past two Sundays. And so I guess the rule is if you miss two Sundays in a row, then you have to preach. So if you're a minister here and you miss two Sundays, you come back, they're like, you have to preach now. So here you go. Uh, get thrown into it uh, with that. All right. Uh, also, uh, I know they're not here, but maybe they're watching online. Shout out to Don and Lynn Mundy. Yesterday, the students, we went out to their lake house, uh, and we just had a good old day. We went rope swinging. Uh, we did some tubing. We did some kayaking, swimming in the lake. Uh, I do have video of uh, Lanny Walters doing a rope swing. It is really good for a price. I will give that to you. Uh, you guys can watch that. It was awesome. She did a great job. Way better than me. Uh, with that. There's also pictures of me failing at that as well, so we'll see about that. Uh, but just thank you, Don and Lynn, um, and all the adults that went with us there for that. When I was a kid, when I was younger, which is when you're a kid, you were younger, uh, I remember um, being fascinated, being, being uh, um, enthralled with army men. Like most kids are when they're younger, I love playing with G.I. Joes and Army men. I said G.I. Joe now in the past two sermons, back-to-back -back sermons. If you've had that on your bingo card for me to say G.I. Joe in back-to-back -back sermons, you win. Uh, I, that was not intentional. Uh, but I love G.I. Joes. I love Army men. I love just going in the backyard, and we would dig, and we would build these trenches and these forts and these things, and it was just a whole lot of fun to do. But I remember getting older and getting older and getting older, um, and then you get to junior high, then you get to high school, then you get junior, senior year. And earlier and earlier now, they're asking you, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to study in college? And I was like, I, I, nothing. Like, I don't really want to go to college. I don't know what I want to do. And then I thought back and I said, well, I really liked Army men. Maybe the military is for me. I know, we had, I know that we have a lot of service members here. Thank you so much. Um, but that's something that I, I kind of thought I wanted to do. And then it got to be serious. I was about a senior, and I was like, no, Mom and Dad, I think I want to go into the military, in the Army. And my dad said, we got to have a talk. I said, sure, love it. He goes, I, I don't know if that's the route that you should go. And I said, okay. My mom and my dad were both in the Army. They were both stationed in Munich, Germany, where they met. Uh, my dad was at Fort Campbell, 101st Airborne, same place that Jimi Hendrix was. Not the same time frame, but it's pretty cool uh, out there in Fort Campbell. Um, and my dad sat me down and said, 
I will pay for college if you don't go to the military. And I was like, whoa, that seems serious. And I was like, but I like this. He goes, I don't think you know what it is. And I was like, yeah, I've been playing army men since I was like five years old. I know exactly what military is. And he had to sit me down and say, well, yeah, but we've been in really kind of a peacetime for a very long time. He goes, this is really what it is. I was like four or five years old when the Gulf War happened. Didn't really remember it. And there wasn't much in between there, really, for me to be like, hey, there was also 9-11 happened, so I was on this kick of like, yeah, America, I want to do that. But he just sat me down and said, this is really what it is. And opened my eyes. He says, you just need to learn and remember what this is. I know that today is um, 9-11, and the title is Never Forget, and that wasn't, you know, a big coincidence, but... It was this idea of that there are things that have happened in our life, things that have happened here on earth, here on the globe, that we tend to forget, right? That we tend to forget. If you are 20 years old right now, uh, you weren't alive during the terror attacks of 9-11. You go, oh my goodness, a 20-year-old, they weren't even alive for that. So we have to remind them. We have to use these phrases, never forget, and walk through that. Right? There was also the Gulf War, right? I think that was in 1990 is when that started. Or, um, or maybe the Challenger rocket, right? As a kid, I was two years old when the Challenger rocket exploded. I didn't remember that. I didn't know that. I was two. But I've had people tell me about that. 1955, Rosa Parks sitting on the bus not giving up her seat. I wasn't around then. But I had people say, never forget. This is something that you need to be reminded of so it may shape the way it happens. It's going to be interesting what it's going to look like in the next 10, 15 years when all of our young kids that are two, three, four, five, six years old grow up and we're like, you don't really understand what COVID was. You don't really understand the lockdowns that happened. And they won't. So we have to remind them this is what it was like. And as we kind of look at that, we also need to look to the scriptures and go, what are things in here that we need to constantly remind ourselves, remind our kids, remind our grandkids, remind our neighbors, remind the next generation, hey, never forget these things because this shapes who you are and should shape the way that you live in this. Now, it might be easy to say, read the Bible, learn it. Just read it. There's a lot in there. Just read it and learn it and get it. My brain doesn't work that way. And yours probably doesn't either, to remember all of that. When I was a junior, when I was a sophomore, uh, oh, one more time, when I was a freshman in college, um, I went to my mom afterwards and I said, I think I'm dyslexic. She was like, you've done school, you've been okay at school, I don't know. So we went and tested and they're like, oh yeah, you're severely dyslexic. Uh, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Me trying to remember stuff is miserable. I, 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 that's just not a part of my gift. So if you say, read the Bible and just remember it and just know it, that doesn't work for me. Look at this stat here in the Bible. So there's a lot that goes on in the Bible, right? So you got about, there's 66 books. I'll tell you right now, I'm a bad youth minister. You ask me to say all 66 books, I can't do that. My brain just doesn't work that way. There's a 1,189 chapters in the Bible, roughly 780,000 words. Uh, that's the New King James Version, I believe. Um, Paris. So there's all that. And they say, well, that's a lot in the Bible. What if we just went to Jesus? Well, you can look at, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, which is pretty long. 
Or you can look at his parables. There's over 40 parables. Some people say there's about 50 parables of Jesus. There's a lot there that we need to constantly remind ourselves and remember that. That's why we come to church, right? That's why we come here and that's why we have class is that we come here so we can be reminded of what God says and that it shapes who we are and it shapes how we act and it shapes how we love and it shapes how we see people. So that is the goal there. And this is nothing new. I think about this. Usually Brett has me do a faith at home sermon in September. Um, And this isn't really a faith at home sermon, uh, but the verse in Deuteronomy really, I think, helps us with this. Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When I hear this, when I read this, I get, you remember and you keep remembering your kids about this. How many times, if you have kids, and please don't give me an answer because it's going to be in the hundreds, uh, how many times um, do you try to tell your kids, hey, put your shoes away? I can't tell you, me and Mary Beth, that's probably what we say the most in our house, right? We have a basket of shoes right there at our fireplace, and that's where our kids take your shoes off, but all the time, put your shoes away, put your shoes away. And you're like, this is so simple. How come you don't do this? One, because they're children. (laughs) But then I... You know, you could probably ask Mary Beth how many times that she has to tell me, put your socks away, put your shoes away, put your stuff away. We need to constantly be reminded of these things. So how much more important is it to be reminded of the word of God and the love of God and the message in the Bible that we ourselves need to be reminded and that we can also remind and pass on to each other. So what we're going to do, I have six. I have six things that are never forgets. I think I probably had about 15 or 20 written down, and you guys didn't want to be here for two hours. But I'm very, very curious on what your never forgets will be, and we're going to talk about that at the end. But I have six things. If you want to write them down, jot them down, take notes, you can do that. But six things that I believe are never forgets. And maybe if you were in this room and you are not a Christian, maybe this is your first time at church, your second time at church, you're like, I don't really know. These may not be never forgets, but this also should be, this is what you need to know, right? This is important stuff here that we need to be reminded of every single day. So the very first one, as we kind of start out here, says you are chosen. We need to be reminded that you are a chosen people, that you are a chosen person, that you were not an accident, that God did not be like, oh, we'll put over here. No, God knew you. God chose you. First Peter 2.9 but says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of his who called you out of the darkness and the marvelous light. Ephesians 1.5 says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That he predestined us into adoption. I love that verse because of that word of adoption. That that he chose you. That he picked you. 
He says, I want you to be with me forever. There are so many people that feel like they're alone and they have nobody. My last sermon was about that, was about um, you are the only one. And we could see just in the rise of stats of just people feel isolated and alone. And they feel like they don't have anybody. And they f- also feel like, why would anybody want me? I think it is key to remember that God wanted you, that God continues to want you, that God has never stopped thinking about you. And he says, you are chosen. He picked you. So don't think that you're an afterthought or don't think that, you know, that you don't matter, but you do. You do. You matter big. Second one here is that God will always love you. These are one of I think one of the most important never forgets that God will always love you. Romans uh, 8, starting at verse 37, says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. For love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. That nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that you can do that God is going to sit there and say, I'm done with you. God will always be there. God will always love you. Now that doesn't mean that you're perfect. But that it means that he has enough grace to always love you. That his mercies are never ending. That he says, no matter what you do, I am still here for you. And there's so many people that say, if you've known what I've done, I can't quite do that. But I need you to know that God looks down at you and says, you are mine. I chose you and I love you. That nothing is ever going to separate us from the love of God. I think about, I think about the prodigal son story and how he was there and how he said, hey, I want my stuff, I'm gonna go away. And then he did all of his stuff and he just lived the way that he wanted to and he sat there and said, what do I got? I got nothing, I'm gonna go back home to my father. Maybe at least I can be one of his servants because they're at least fed. And he runs back and then the father sees him down the road and then he runs down and he hugs him and he says, no, you're here. And I can imagine that the son is sitting there saying, yeah, but you know what I've done. How are you still going to love me? And I'm sure walking up, he says, my dad doesn't love me anymore. My family doesn't love me anymore. And the dad breaks that and says, oh, I love you more than you know. You need to be reminded every single day. You need to be reminded and remember and pass along that God will always, always walk with you. And we think that he doesn't because of this next one. That your sin doesn't define you. We think that our past, that our sin, defines who we are. Well, if you only knew what I did, if you only know what I did last week, what I did last year, what I did, if you only knew those things, then surely God wouldn't love me. And this is now who I am. We like to put labels on people, don't we? Well, they did this, they did that. That's not always the truest thing. Where they kind of look at that and say, uh, say, what I do is who I am. Right, that's what we do when we see people. You know, we ask people, hey, what's your name? What do you do? And we think that our job title defines who we are. And for some people, your sin defines who you are. And that should not be true. I've heard once that your biggest sin may be true 
but it is not the truest thing about you. The truest thing about you is that you are a child of God. The truest thing about you is that you are chosen. The truest thing about you is that you have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the truest thing. But we don't live in there sometimes, do we? Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That their faces are never covered with shame. That they are radiant in there. We should live that way. We should learn from our mistakes. We should learn from the things that we've done, but we shouldn't dwell on them and say, woe is me because I made bad mistakes. I'm always going to be in this gray area. I'm always going to be in this negative area. I'm always going to live here because of the sin that I made. No, do you have a radiant face because you look upon a king that loves you? Do you have that or do you sit back with it? For most of you, um, I'd say almost for everybody, we kind of read the Bible and we put these people up on a pedestal. Yes, as, you know, yes, as we should for some people in the Bible. But we look at it and go, man, I wish I had faith like Moses. I wish I had faith like Peter. Man, I wish I was like Paul in there. But you know that they didn't have a perfect life either, right? So you may not know that. We'll go to the next slide. Moses was a killer. <laughs> Moses killed an Egyptian. You go, oh, Moses, oh, Moses, he murdered somebody. But we still hold him up, right? How about David, slept with Bathsheba? Okay, and then had her husband killed as well, right? And we read Psalms, I read Psalm 100 from David, and we read these, and we go, oh, David, God, look, true, but his sin didn't define who, who he was, right? What about Rahab, lady of the night? That was the best way I could put it here on the screen. If you have questions, ask your neighbor, ask an adult uh, about that, right? It's a lady of the night. You have that in there and you go, oh, but, but you know that she is in the genealogy of Jesus when you read it. She is very, very important. Didn't let the sin define who she was. I like Peter, short-tempered and a denier. He literally denied knowing Jesus. He also cut someone's ear off. I think that's pretty dope, right? He did a lot. He was, he was young and crazy, right? He was ready to go. But he did some things, but even Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on him. He's the rock. And then you think of Paul. Paul wasn't an early fan of Christianity. Paul, who I think has written almost half of our New Testament, has written a lot of our Bible. If you take your Bible and go to the end and just flip, you're probably going to hit a letter by Paul. He was actively trying to get Christians killed. He was, no, I'm so Jewish, I don't like this new Christianity. How can I get them killed? And he would hunt, and he would go, and he would scheme and do all these things until one day God changed his heart. Now, Paul could have sat there and said, man, look what I have done. No one loves me. But if you read any of Paul's letters, he knows what he has done, but he knows that God's love is greater. Know that your sin does not define you. No one can put a label on you except for God. Not your neighbor, not yourself, not your coworker, not the sin that you have done can put a label on you. Only Jesus Christ, only God who owns you can put his label on you. And know that you are bigger than your sin. God still has work for you to do. I think you also need to know and never forget that you have a purpose. That you have a purpose right here and right now. 
There are people in this church that say, well, I'm too young, I'm too old, sorry, I'm too seasoned. I like to use that word better. I'm too seasoned. They don't need me anymore. I can't do this. I don't know. You have a purpose in this. Philippians 2, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only has, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, that God wants to work in you. Does God need you? No, he's way more powerful than we are. But he wants to partner with you. He wants to work in you. He wants you to say, God, I want you to use me in whatever way that that may be for your kingdom and for your glory. He says, how can I do that? How, how can I do that? Know that you have a purpose where you are. Verse 14 in that Philippians 2. It says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. That's a whole nother sermon, y'all. Uh, do it without grumbling and disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. When I think about purpose, we all have the same purpose. And that is to shine the light of God. And that is to be his hands and feet that people may see him through our works of love and of service and humility. But that looks different. I love that our church has different talents in this room. From young to seasoned, we have different talents in this church and the kingdom needs you. We talked about this last time. So don't sit here saying, well, no one needs me and I'm not good enough, and I, and I don't have a talent for this, I promise you, you do. And God is begging for you to say, use me right now, Lord. That you have a huge purpose here. And never forget that. You're not a bystander in this story. You're a part of it. That God is eagerly trying to get you to jump in and say, let's go. For them, that you have a purpose. Next one. Live for an audience of one and not for everyone. And this is hard. This is hard for students. This is hard for adults. That we tend to live for an audience of everyone. I want everybody to see. How do you see me? I want to get likes. I want to get thumbs up. I want to get all these things. I want people to recognize me. But typically that means that we're going to live in a way that we shouldn't to get those likes and to get those eyeballs and to get that recognition and to get that notoriety and to get that label and that name that you've been dying to get. Instead of living for an audience of one. Matthew 6, 1. Matthew 6, 1. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward for your father who is in heaven. Now, I know this is about practicing your righteousness, maybe up front, in front of people, preaching, singing, doing those things. But I like to take it in a bigger deal. Don't do things before other people to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. First John 2 says, Do not love the world or things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You may sit here and say, I don't understand what the world means, but it's the world of the sinful desires and of the flesh, right? So if you live that way, and our world right now tells you people need to see you. You are so important that you need to be famous, that people need to see who you are. So you post every single picture that you've ever taken on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, right? Or you post only the best ones, right? You guys know that. You go on vacation, you have 400 pictures, but you post four. It took a long time to kind of narrow them down, right? Like, These are the best ones that I want. And you do this to say, I want people to see me. I want to live for an audience of everybody instead of saying, I just want to live for an audience of one. That if I live for him, that's all that matters. And I think we need to be reminded of that. And I think that is a shift in our priorities in how we teach our kids and how, and how, we, and how we remind ourselves that it's not about everybody else. It's about loving God and loving other people. And if you can do that, then there you go. If you can do that, then that's what we are all about there. Get that. Then our last one. As we think about um, all the things that you were chosen and all these things, I love this one, that Christ lived and died for you. This should be what you think about every single morning when your feet hit the ground. When your eyes wake up, it should not be, what is the weather? What is the score? What's the update? What do I got to do? What is my calendar? It should be remembering that Jesus lived and that he died for you. Matthew 26, 26 through 29. This is Jesus is there with his disciples in the upper room. This is hours before he's about to pass away. But then he gives the Lord's Supper. I remember, um, you know, there's a lot of things about Church of Christ. I was not raised Church of Christ. Um, I wasn't raised in a church at all. I went to Catholic Church when I was a kid with my mom, uh, and I loved it. But I remember going when I was in Easter, and they threw a lot of candy at me. I was like, this is the dopest church ever. Like, can we keep, and then I went back the next Sunday, and there was no candy. I was like, well, that's not as cool. Like, I really like candy. Um, but I, um, I didn't grow up in church. Then you get to be about middle school, high school. I started to spend the night at my friend's house. And the rule was, whoever's house that I went to on, like, on a Saturday night, that Sunday morning is where I went to church. Right? So I would go to my friend's house, and I have to bring church clothes with me. So when I went to one friend, um, we would go to First Baptist in Nashville. If you've ever been to Bridgestone Arena, it's the big church right next to it. Um, that's the church that I would go to with them. And it was fine. It was great. We'd go to church there. Awesome. We'd sing. We'd leave. And then every once in a while, they'd be like, this is Communion Sunday. And I was like, okay. I don't know what that means, but cool. We can take communion today. Awesome. Um, but then when I went with my friend, uh, Robert, when I went to his church, Mount Juliet Church of Christ, shout out Bill, when I go to Mount Juliet Church of Christ, that was every week. Every week we were taking communion. And I was like, well, that church only does it every now and then. I was too young. I didn't quite understand. Still don't really understand, right? But I love in our tribe and I love in our tradition that we take communion every single week. It's a chance for us to do exactly this. 
Never forget. Never forget the life, the teaching, the miracles, the loving, the mercy, the grace that Jesus shown people around him every single day. And never forget that he died because you are chosen. That he died because he knows that you have a purpose. He died because he loves you. And for us to never, ever forget that. Again, Matthew 26 is up there. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat this, my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it all. Drink, drink of it, all of you. Verse 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus then knew, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You are gonna need a constant reminder over and over again of my love, of God's love, of what I've done and what your purpose is. Never forget those things. Never forget that. As we sit here in a second, if you have your communion elements, you can take those out. We're gonna take a few moments. This may get a little bit awkward, but we're going to not sing during it. Um, I'm going to say a prayer for the cup, for the bread. Um, I want you, as silently as possible, to, 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 to really examine yourself. And I know there's kids around, and that's great too. Uh, you can have kids. and won't, you know, be 100% silent, but really spend about a minute or two, or three, I don't know how long we'll go, thinking, remembering, thanking for his life, thanking for his death and thanking for that uh, um, magnitude of love that he showed out through us on the cross. Let's pray for these. God, thank you for sending your son that at the time they did not fully understand God, but help us today to, to continually learn and understand um, just how much you love us through this action. Thank you um, for the discipline of Jesus to go through this. He didn't have to. But because of his love and your love for us, he did what he had to do. And we're thankful for that. God, be with us as, as we kind of transform our minds, as we spend time thinking and remembering um, about that act, about his life and his death on the cross. Help us to uh, be thankful and remember that during this time as we take communion. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. All right, we had six things. If you want to go to that slide up there, Tony, our, our six. If you wanted to write those down, take a picture, jot those down. Uh, these are what I came up with, just off of my head of just what I personally need to be reminded of every single day. Um, and you may have something different or you may have more to add on. You know, like I said, I had way more, but I had to narrow these down a little bit. But the question I have is, what are your never forgets? I would love for you as a family, uh, for you as yourself, for you as a friend, whoever it may be, to sit down and say, oh, this is a good topic to talk about. What are things from God's word? What are stories? What are things? What are truths that we need to know for us to say, hey, we're never, ever going to forget these things? Um, maybe you make a list. I would love to see those. 
Um, if you want to email me, I'd put my email up there, jpeach at homewoodchurch.org. You can go to the website and get it. Most of you guys have my cell phone number. You can text me. I would love to know some of yours. It'd be very interesting uh, to hear that. Um, yeah, to hear that in there, to never, ever forget in that. Well, I'm going to say a prayer. And at the end of this prayer, um, we're going to have the praise team come up uh, in here. Uh, we're going to do an invitation song. And for, for some people in here, you may be new to church. You know, just like I was with communion, what do I take? Do I take it, not take it once a week, every week? And we say, hey, this is an invitation time. So you may be new to church and go, I don't know what that means. <laughs> we stand up, we sing. You know, somebody random stands up front, and that's cool. And apparently there's people in the back room. You're like, I don't know. But I want you to know that, that, that we are a church that want to, to walk and disciple you and, and, and to be a part of your life. That we um, want to pray for you and walk with you. Good times and bad times, question times, whatever it may be. So I'm going to pray. The praise team's going to come up. We're all going to stand up. We're all going to sing a pretty song. But if you're in here and you're like, I forgot a lot of this. I need some help remembering some more. I need to get deeper in my relationship with God. I, and I need help in that. You can walk forward. And you can speak to me. You can speak to Nathan, one of our shepherds that will be forward. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to pray for you. It's nothing embarrassing. There's no judging moments here, right? Or maybe you're like, I need prayers. Maybe you haven't weighed down and shackled by your sin and you go, look, this does define me, but I don't want it to define me anymore. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you. We love you. Maybe you're sitting here saying, hey, I'm thankful for the love of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for his life and death, but I've never given my life to that. I've never been baptized. We got a baptistry right up there. If that is something that you're interested in today or, you know, anytime in the future, we would love to talk with you. We will have a shepherd up front. I'll be up front in this back room called the chapel. If you're like, hey, there's too many people in this room. I don't want uh, too many people. There's some shepherds in the back. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to pray for you um, um, and walk with you because that's what a family does, right? Let's walk with each other. So let's pray. God, we uh, give you today, we give you, uh, um, God, we give you, your word, and, and we pray that, that your word is on our hearts, that your word um, dwells in us, that it changes us, that it changes who we are because we remember and we never forget the sacrifice and love that you have shown us. Help us to pass that on to the next generation. Help us to pass that on to our neighbors and our spouses and our friends to remind them that they are loved, that they are chosen, that they have a purpose. And God, there are people in this room right now that, that, that for the past month have wanted to come forward or, or just wanted prayers and they're too afraid or they're too ashamed. God, God, just get rid of that. Let them know that they are welcomed here. Let them know that they are loved and that you love them. God, be with us as we sing. Be with us as we go out this week to be your hands and feet. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.